Good morning, church. Good stuff. I am so excited to be with you guys this morning. My name is Joe Ashley. I'm the spiritual life pastor here at Fellowship Church, and I am thrilled to get to share with you with you all this morning. Um, and so this is just a uh, special day for us. I got to to baptize my son, and um, and we've got family in town. I get to spend with them, and and also this is the first week of Kirk's sabbatical, so we can get away with anything. We can do whatever we want. Uh, <laughs> now I, uh, I I am excited about. This summer, um, but in the back of my mind, I'm like kind of worried that it'll be. We'll, we'll kind of look at it like my kids when they when they have a substitute at school. When they when I ask them about their day, like how how was it? It was awesome. We had a sub and we didn't do anything. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. So hopefully, hopefully we're not getting to that point around here um, because uh, no no offense to any substitute teachers in the room. I'm sure they weren't talking about you. Uh, but it's a uh, it's an opportunity I think for us to grow as a congregation um, and uh, accomplish some, some some stuff for our church's mission this summer that I'm excited about. Uh, so this morning we're going to be, uh, we are in a sermon series, um, and we're, we're talking about mountains and mercy, where we're looking at different mountaintop experiences in the Bible. So if you've been with us uh, each week, you understand, uh, you probably picked up on this, that when we look at these different mountaintop experiences, they don't always um, line up with what we say normally in our lives whenever we would say mountaintop experiences. Some of them are, are pretty difficult times. We learned that the very first week when we looked at Jesus' death on Mount Calvary. Um, and so when we say mountaintop experience, we don't always mean the, the passages we've been looking at and working through. When we read these experiences on some of these mountains, it, it feels a little bit more like a valley, right? And so some of them are, are, are pretty serious. And so, so with that, I've got a serious question that's, that's kind of heavy. And it, 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 the passage we're going to look at today is a little bit heavy. But it's this. What do you do in your life when the things you care about most begin to slip away? When the dreams that you've had begin to fall apart? When your life it seems to just begin to crumble? And how do we reconcile that with faith in a God that we say was all powerful and is all good and loves us and cares about us. That's something I want us to wrestle with a little bit this morning. And we're going to uh, be reading about someone who's, who's kind of in this situation to kind of figure that out for himself in Genesis chapter 22. So if you look through the book of Genesis, if you're just reading through, it kind of just goes at a breakneck speed. So you have creation, you've got Noah, you've got the Tower of Babel. It's just generations, just boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden we get to chapter 12 and it really slows down the pace. And so we're going to slow down and spend several chapters just looking at this guy named Abraham. Um, in fact, his name was Abraham or, or was Abram and it changed to Abraham, but we're just going to call him Abraham for, for now. Um, and so it, with him, it really slows down and we see just a lot that happened in his life. So what you need to know for today is that Abraham became an, an old man and didn't have any children. He, he and his wife, Sarah, they wanted children, they desired them, and they longed for family, but their line, their family line, was going to stop with them. And then God made this covenant with Abraham. He said, I am going to give you a child. When Abraham, listen to this, he was 99 years old, okay? So 
that's old to start having kids, right? Uh, and so, but this was a desire of their heart and God gave it to them. Can you imagine waiting a century before you have this and, and wrestling with this infertility for that long? And some of y'all know that wrestle and you know just the, the emotional heartache that comes with that. And so this is where they're coming out of. God says, I'm gonna give you a son, call him Isaac. So they have Isaac, and you can just imagine the joy wrapped up in this little boy and all the hopes and dreams. And God said, I'm not only gonna give you a son, but this son's gonna be the start of something huge. He's he's gonna have children, and eventually there's gonna be so many descendants, it's gonna be a whole nation. There's gonna be so many. Like you thought it was just gonna end with you, but actually you're gonna have more descendants than there are stars in the sky. It's that many. And this nation that's going to come out of you is going to be my chosen people. And I'm going to do some wild, crazy things with them. And that's all coming through you where there was once no hope. Now there's so much hope. So all this is wrapped up in this boy, Isaac. And that's what we pick up in Genesis chapter 22. First two verses say this. After these things... God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. So we're back to Mount Moriah. We've mentioned that before. It's the same mountain area where the temple was built, where Jerusalem would would later be built. So I want you to go to this mountain, and that's where you're going to give your son back to me. You're going to give him up. He is going to die as a sacrifice to me right here. That's tough to hear, right? That's tough to hear. I got a few principles I want us to take with us today to help us wrestle with some of these questions. First, God's word challenges us. God's word challenges us. And it should, right? If, if your only experience with the scriptures, with what we're calling the word of God here, are the things that are just the warm fuzzies, or just that you're doing great, keep going, nothing's ever bad, you're just fantastic if it never presents anything to you that you disagree with or that, that you've been doing incorrectly or you need to grow in it and change and something's wrong, something's missing in your understanding and your exposure to God's word. Either you're, you're ignorant of it, you're ignoring it on purpose, you're avoiding it, there's something missing there. If Unless you are the same level of understanding and morality as God himself, he has some things to reveal to you and it should be challenging at times. God's word challenges us. And so a few years ago, my family we took a trip to Mexico, and this was a, a mission trip. There were some, uh, some missionaries down there that we've come to love, and we were helping them in their church and, and the, the different ministries they were involved with. And so sometimes, um, you may know situations like this, people will go on mission trips, and it's hard to tell if it's a mission trip or a vacation, you ever seen those? It's like, I'm going to go to Hawaii for Jesus. I was like, well, okay, I guess people in Hawaii need Jesus too. That, that sounds lovely though. Uh, this was not that. This, this, was a, this was a tougher one. You know, some, some areas in Mexico are really nice um, and some, you know, are, are, feel like third world. So we were in the latter 
And so we're there for a week, and, and man, it's just such a sweet time, and it's, it's great, and we, the people are just so easy to love, and so thankful for everything, and we had a great experience, um, but, but we were tired, we were dirty. It's like one of those mission trips where you don't shower for a week, you know? Um, and so you're just, you're sweaty all the time, all the time, you know? And so by the end, as much as we loved it, we were really looking forward to, to being home, right? To getting a hot shower and getting your own bed. And so uh, we, we, we start this, you know, the whole week, you're like, this is great, I'm wore out. But the whole week you're thinking, we got a 13-hour drive ahead of us. And I'm too cheap to stop halfway. We're just going to motor on through. And so we, we, we finish the week, and we, we get across the border. That's always a headache. And we're, we're starting, and we stop and get gas, and we're fixing to get onto a new highway. So we, we get on, and we're driving along. And eventually, you know, I'm driving, and I, I, I feel like our turn should have happened already. And I pull up my phone, and I punch in Louisiana. And, and it's like wanting me to do U-turns and take every exit. And I was like, my phone's acting weird. Uh, I mean, because I'd had it off all week because I was out of the country. So it's just waking up. I, I, I'll try again later. And so we're continuing. And eventually Jamie says, I don't recognize anything about this. She pulls her phone out. And by the time she pulls her phone out, it strikes me, I'm going the wrong direction. And so when you've got a long journey and you realize I'm going an hour in the opposite direction of where I'm supposed to go. And so essentially we added two hours to an already long trip. It was pretty discouraging, right? So, so let, me, let me point this out. If I had been going the wrong direction for five minutes, it would have been so insignificant, right? It would have been like, oh, let me just, yep, no, no problem. Let's just course correct, get back on track. The longer you're going in the wrong direction, the harder it is and more painful it is to turn around and go the correct, the right way. The same is true in our relationship with God. That's why when, when Jonathan says, hey, Read your Bible every day. It's not just for a merit badge, okay? It's just God's Word challenges us, and as it challenges us, it's, it's leading us and steering us and correcting us and pointing us directions to live our life of what's best for us, of what God's very best is for us. And if we go long periods of time without getting that, we're going to find we've been going the wrong direction, and sometimes for a long time. And it's hard to admit that I've put so much energy, so much belief and conviction into things that God would say, hey, that's not where it should be. So I want to encourage you, hey, spend time in God's word, and the more we're doing this and hearing from him, then it becomes just minor course corrections day to day instead of having to reroute so many things happening in your life because God's word challenges us, and it should, and it's a good it's good when he tells us hard things that we don't understand or, or sometimes that we just don't agree with. God ever told you something from his word that you just didn't agree with and you had to decide, you know what, you're God and I'm not, so I'll probably just go with what you think? That's a good place to be. It's a good place of surrender to be. Spend time being challenged in his word because God's word challenges us. Also, God's works are merciful. His word challenges us his works are merciful. Let me continue to read what's, what's happening with Abraham and Isaac. Starting in verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid them on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. This is the moment of truth. 
Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called them from heaven. He said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and, and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. God's works are merciful. His works are merciful. You know, we like to say that of God that he's, he's merciful. Do you understand? You can't really truly believe that about God unless you believe he's saved you from something you deserve. That's, that's what mercy is. If I do a job for you and you pay me, that's not mercy, right? If we do something for God and he gives us something we deserve, he gives us some kind of blessing that we've earned, that's not, that's not God being merciful. If you want to believe that God is truly merciful, you've got to understand he's saving you from something that you have earned, something that you deserve, and he is protecting you from that. That's his mercy, and if we will press into him, we will see his mercy as rampant, rampant among his people. He pours it out on us. Can you imagine? Let's, let's, let's get into Abraham's sandals, whatever he was wearing, for just a minute. So, climbing this mountain, they get to it, they leave the, the donkey and the servants behind, and they, they get a three-day hike to get up this mountain. Three days of watching his little boy carry the wood he was going to be sacrificed on. Of knowing this is the last time I'm ever going to see him. All of our hopes, all of our joy that we were looking forward to, God taking back his promise that he made to us, it's, it's all vanishing before my eyes as we climb this mountain. This mountaintop experience was not a fun climb for him. Can you imagine the relief that comes over him when the angel of the Lord speaks and stops him? Don't harm that boy. I think sometimes we fail to recognize God's mercy on us. We can recognize the hard times. We can recognize the things that aren't fair. We can recognize the things that hurt. We gotta recognize God is a merciful God and anytime he gives us, uh, whatever he gives us is his mercy, but he also, if he gives it to us, he can take away. We're saying that this morning. He can give and he can take. Our job is not to work out what he should do or how he can bring good out of situations. Our job is to be faithful, and when he gives us a blessing, to hold it open-handed and not clench it tightly. We have a word for this in Scripture. It's called Stewardship. The things God gives us, he's given us stewardship of, and we are doing our best to manage it and be a blessing back to him. And anything in our life, we say, God, it's still yours. You've got dreams for yourself, for your family. You've got a, a, your job, your home, the things you love, your sexuality, do we hold all these things open-handed? Even our family. Say, God, you give and you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In my office, 
across the way there, I've got a, a sign that sits over my desk. It's, a, it's a, a portion from the book of Job is written on there. It says, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Is our commitment and our faith in the Lord such that we will trust in him even in the worst of times? Even in the worst of times. That's what he's inviting you into because there's still hope. There's still hope. Let me, let me read kind of how this, this plays out. So in verse 15, listen to the response that happens, the result of Abraham's faithfulness. Verse 15, and the angel of the Lord called to Abram a second time from heaven and said, I myself had sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in your offspring, listen to this, bless my mind, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Every nation be blessed through his offspring. And what was, what, what was that hinging on at this point? Abraham's faithfulness. When God brings you through a painful time, and, and allows hardship and difficulty into your life. He's not doing it for no reason. He is taking you somewhere. And your faithfulness, if you're a child of God, your salvation is not what is at stake, but your ministry is. The scope of your ministry will depend on how faithful you are through what he brings you through. There are some places he wants to take you that can only, you can only get there through difficulty. There's some times that he wants to, to make you able and expand your ministry that doesn't happen through just the easy times. And the question is, can you trust him? Can you trust him when it's painful? Can you trust him when it doesn't make sense? Can you trust him when, it, when it's not fair? Can you trust him when he he's, looks like he's taken everything that's ever mattered to you? Can you trust him when he hasn't given you answers? God, why would you allow this? Can we still Trust that he is bringing you somewhere. And in our fear and our hurt, continue to say, you are God and you are good and you're gonna do something with this. I'm gonna be faithful. That's what he's inviting you into. Following Christ, it's not for the faint of heart. Jesus tells us to take into account the cost. He invites you to do some hard things but the results will blow your mind. The things he is inviting you to do. We want to understand this is his will gets underestimated. His word challenges, his works are merciful. His will gets underestimated. So Ephesians 3.20 kind of speaks to this. It says this, there's this one who's able to do far more abundantly than you can ask or imagine. Think about what that says just now. Just, let's just really stop for a second and think about that. Think about the scope of what you could possibly ask or imagine. And God's not just trying to keep up with these things. He's able to do more, 
far more, far more abundantly than any of us can ask or imagine, we can surely say he is underestimated in what his plans are and what his will is. Underestimated. You can't begin to imagine the plans he has for you. We can trust him. He's still in control. He still has plans. He still is in power. Will you be faithful through these times? He's not done with you. What's really interesting about this passage, you know, it's, it's kind of an obscure passage. You know, why, why uh, we talked about that, you know, God told him to go up and, you know, kill son, and he said, no, don't do it, and they, and they go back down, you know, what, but so many people are familiar with this passage. Um, so I, I want to teach you something about the scriptures. And so as a, as a New Testament believer, right, we're, we're, we're living on this side of the cross and the resurrection, is that we can see Christ throughout all the scriptures. Jesus, uh, in, in the scriptures, it says that, that he is the yes to every promise of God, is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. There was an old preacher that, that had this, this sermon um, that, that sort of walked through seeing Christ throughout all the Old Testament, that Jesus didn't begin to exist in Bethlehem. Do you know that? And so he, and in, in, in this, uh, this sermon, this series of sermons, he said there's a scarlet thread that runs through all of Scripture leading to the cross and eventually leading to the day where we meet him face to face. And so from the beginning of Genesis, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the, the law, throughout the, the prophets, throughout the, all the books of poetry and throughout the minor prophets, it's all building up to Christ. And if we are able to look at these passages with New Testament eyes, we can see it pointing to him, foreshadowing the coming Christ. And we, we would call this typology. Like he's a, this is a type of Christ. This is a, uh, a kind of word that we use for this sometimes. Can you see this passage beginning to point to Jesus? To just this concept of, I'm going to spare your son, but I'm going to give up my son. Let me read a few just phrases from this chapter. Let, let, just, to, just to see if we can see it hinting at the coming Christ. Listen to this. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna randomly hit a bunch of phrases. Take your son, your only son, verse four, on the third day, verse six, took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Verse eight, God will provide for himself the lamb. Verse 9, uh, he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on top of the altar, on top of the wood. Verse 12, you've not withheld your son, your only son. Verse 13, there's a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Think about the crown of thorns. Also offered up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Verse 14, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. That's what we, we get this phrase you may have heard before, Jehovah Jireh. God provides, the God, the provider. You've not withheld your son, your only son. And then ultimately, every nation on earth being blessed. And surely we see that in our day today. You've seen some of the, uh, the stuff that, that's, that's going on in the foyer. We're, we're sort of promoting our African mission trip. And, and this is a, partly the fulfillment of this where every nation is being blessed because of the, uh, the descendants 
both physical and spiritual, of Abraham. And the Hebrews throughout the Old Testament to Christ, to the apostles, to the church, to us, and hopefully for generations to come. See how much God wants to do when we will trust him? He has a plan. And it's hard for us to see it. Fourth thing is that God's wisdom is unrivaled. Unrivaled. So in just a minute, we're going we're gonna to sing part of one more song. It's a song we sang last week, and I said, Jonathan, we've got to do that one again, man. That's just exactly what we are going to need to sing and express to God after hearing this. There's a line from it that says, when I, all I see is a cross, you see an empty tomb. Can you appreciate that statement? That we see a cross in our life, we see the problems, we see death, we see pain, and we can't see what's coming, but God can see the coming empty tomb. Do you trust him for that? Can you trust him when, that, when your world starts to crumble and fall apart, that he has an empty tomb plan still in the works for you, and it's greater, far greater, and more abundant than you can ask or imagine? unrivaled. You know, thinking about this mountains of mercy, it's easy for us to get hung up on these painful times. So um, this year, my family and I, we got to take a, a vacation to, to Colorado. Um, and so I mentioned I'm cheap, and so we, we drove it, you know, and that's, a, that's another long drive. I got two driving stories to share with you guys today. Um, so we, we went, and we had a good time. It was excellent. It was beautiful. Um, and then eventually, once again, you know, you got to make the long trek home. And so we are making that forever trip across Texas. Have y'all been there? That, that just like from one end to the other, um, everything's bigger in Texas, and it, it fills it. Uh, so we're, we're passing through, and uh, we make it, you know, through Amarillo, and then we're driving along, and we're trying to keep the kids from, you know, bickering in the back seat, and it's all six of us, and we've got all our luggage, and we're driving along, and then bam, we get T-boned. Some, some car just hits us from the side. So it knocks us off the road, totals our car. We're stuck. So from that, we... Um, uh, had, had trouble finding a, a, a rental car to get home because there's a shortage of all that right now. Called around, nobody's got one. Maybe in a couple weeks, something will come up. And I'm not going to stay in Amarillo for two weeks for a maybe, you know. Um, and so we, we're on the phone with insurance, and that's a, just a, such a headache. And eventually, we said, well, I think our only option is to just book a flight and, and try and get home, right? And so... Uh, we did that. We went back, backtracked a little to Amarillo and, and had to, you know, get up at like 3 in the morning to catch the early flight to just got us to Dallas. And then we were jumping from Dallas. We're going to go to New Orleans. And we missed our flight and we got stuck there. We're, we're trying to get us on the next flight as, as you got all the kids and all your luggage and you're just tired and ready to get home. And, and then they just kept trying to put us a few on one flight and they eventually split us up and and uh, we, so we went in separate flights, and I ended up getting left behind and stayed an extra night, and it was just, it was just a nightmare. It was just miserable. Um, to be honest, who've flown lately can relate. Uh, and so eventually, you know, I, I make it to New Orleans and, and make it home, and we're, we still, you know, don't have our, our car replaced, and they're fighting the insurance and all these things. Um, 
So when we, when we talk about that trip, uh, we, we're going to want to, our mind usually goes straight to that. But as we were leaving, where we were staying in Colorado, uh, I saw just this spot where there were all these, these red rocks like this. And instead of just, they were all gray everywhere else. And there was a spot where there were a bunch of red ones. And, you know, I'm a simple person. I was like, that's my souvenir. That's all I need. I just, uh, just a red-colored rock. So we pulled over, grabbed it, jumped back in the car, and, uh, and I'm a happy camper. Um, and so then we, we, we trekked on and, and then got, uh, got into the wreck the next day. Um, but when we look back on that trip, we can talk a lot about the headache of the um, just having to get home and then the lady hit us and the airlines and just hecticness and miss out on the fact that in that accident, I, this could be a very different story. That when I hold just this rock to remember what happened, this red rock, it could be red for a very different reason. And I don't, I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm, I forget to thank God for his mercies. That there was not, nobody had a scratch on them. Protected my family. Without eyes of faith, we can't appreciate that. All we can see is why do these other things happen? I'm thankful this this rock is a reminder that whenever we we just see a tomb, he rolls that rock away and it's an empty tomb. But he's good. And he's got plans for us. Man, I want you to miss him. It's not to say that the hard things you go through aren't hard. They are. They're enough to break you. You live long enough. And I don't have the seasoning that a lot of people in this room have, but I know this. If you live long enough, you're going to go through them. There's no, there's no escape. How you are going to respond is going to shape the rest of your life. Well, you say, God, I don't get it, and I'm frustrated, and I'm even angry, and I'm sad, and I'm afraid. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to be faithful during this season. I trust you're taking me somewhere. Last thing I want to share with you guys is that God's worship requires faith. His worship requires faith. This whole thing with, with Abraham started in chapter 15 of Genesis. God spoke to him. In 15.6, it says this, And he, Abraham, he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Now, let's not miss the nuance here. He didn't believe that God existed. He didn't just believe in the Lord. That's not, that's not the faith we're talking about. He said he believed him. You see the difference? If I tell you something and you believe me, that's different from you just believing that I exist. This belief in God is a step. But you know what believes in God? Satan. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. 
And I hear people talk about like that. I believe in God. Like, like that's the great test. Well, I hope so. I'm not asking you just do you believe in him. I'm asking do you believe him? Do you believe him when he says, my ways are better than your ways? That when they don't match up, you should be the one to surrender. You should be the one that's malleable, that, that's, that's flexible, that bends to my ways. You say, God, I believe that, that your ways are better than mine. I believe that the things I've done in my life, I need to be forgiven of. I believe, Lord, that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, died, and was risen again from the grave. He was resurrected to everlasting life, and I believe that his sin, or, or my sin, was paid for on the cross, that he became sin to take away my sin. When I believe him like Abraham, just like Abraham, it's counted to me as righteousness. I think there's a lot of moves that need to be happening today before you walk out the door. Some of us need to be reminded, God, I, I'm gonna trust you in this current season that you're in that's painful, that doesn't make sense, it's scary. Some of us need to look back and be thankful for what God, what mercies God's poured out on you. Some of you need to recognize the things that you're holding tight to and, and you're kind of making that an idol in your life. And sooner or later, hopefully God's gonna course correct you and it's better now than to wait for years to say, oh yeah, now I realize this was a problem in my life. Why not loosen your fingers from the grip of these things now? Say, God, if you want it, I, I give it to you. Sometimes it's good things in life, not just bad things, good things that we need to hold open-handed to him as well. And for somebody in this room, today is the day he's calling you to believe him and put your faith in Christ to be your Savior and your Lord. Man, respond. Don't, don't walk out. It's easy to forget once you walk out. Do business with the Lord. We're gonna stand and sing in just a minute. If you need to have a conversation with him, you sit in your seat and you don't get up until you've done business with him. We're gonna have people across the front who would love to, to speak with you, to pray with you. Let's not, let's not leave here and try to get this heaviness off us before we deal with it. And for everyone else, we're gonna stand and sing like he is our victor. Like he is the one who has done everything we can hope or imagine. And whenever we see a cross, we have faith that he sees the empty tomb. Let me pray for us and we're gonna stand and sing and you respond as God's leading you. Dear Father in heaven, we trust you. We love you. We know that you have plans for us, Lord, plans that, that are uh, of your will to, to make us more like Christ. God, would you open our eyes to see you at work. Lord, when it's scary, give us faith. Give us the faith that we need. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.